0: Lord, we thank you for everyone that's in this room right now, Father God. We thank you that there is a plan and a calling on each and every person (laughs) represented in this room today, every family member that's here, Father God. We thank you for their families. We thank you for their lives. We thank you that today and them being here right now is not an accident. We thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void. Lord, we ask today that you would speak. For the hearing ear and the seeing eye, you've made them both. And we declare today that your word will not return to your void. That the ears that you created, that the hearts that you created, that the spirit that dwells within us are here to hear your voice today, Lord. Speak to us. No matter what season of life we're in, speak to us today, Lord. Whatever questions we have going through our head right now, speak to us today, Father God. Speak to us. We're here with an anticipation, Father God, to hear from you. Because there's nothing that anyone can say that brings life. But you hold You hold the words of eternal life in your hands. You are the only one that speaks them. You are the only living thing that spoke and immediately things happened. You are the only one that breathed and created life. Lord Jesus, give us ears to hear, Lord what you're saying to the church today, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. I just want to reiterate something that I, that I just said in my prayer. You, if you are here in this building today, there's a reason you're here. Whether you think you preconceived it or not, there's a reason you're in this building today. Does anyone disagree? Well, if you do disagree, that's too bad cuz you're wrong and I'm right. <laughs> <sighs> I just I was just standing up in the sound booth and I uh I was thinking about what I was going to share this morning and um uh, do we have baseball fans in the house tonight, today, this morning? All right. Well, the rest of you will learn. It's okay. So hopefully what I'm what was rolling through in my mind at least some of you will be able to understand. Um, and I was gonna show my age and talk about um, baseball from long ago, but I think for the, the younger generation, they would know more who Aaron Judge is than who Mark McGuire or Sammy Sosa are. So <laughs> we're gonna we'll start there. Derek Cheater, most overrated player ever. And I'm a Yankees fan, so deal with that one. Okay. Really, an Astros ball? Wow. Hold on, I gotta put this where it belongs. For any Astros, should I bang this before I throw it in for anyone that knows the cheating scandal? so this is an astro 's ball i 'm going to put that right in the garbage where it belongs <laughs> thanks, Norm. I did not pay Norm to do that, so that 's good <laughs> anyway. thanks for that distraction. Um, so what I wanted to talk about today was anticipation um, what I was talking what I was feeling upstairs was. <sighs> How many of us are coming to church with an anticipation of hearing from the Lord, and how many of us are coming just because it's something to do on a Sunday morning? And I wanted to, I wanted to just paint it in this light. For those of you that followed follow baseball or follow the Yankees, um, there's a there's a guy named Aaron Judge that um, this past season broke Roger Maris's all-time home run record for the American League. And I, w- I was just thinking about, as he started getting closer and closer to that record, the anticipation that he must have had every time he got in the box. I doubt that he got in the box to hit and thought to himself, well, maybe this is the time. Maybe it's not. Hopefully I get a good pitch. Or did he go into the box with with a resiliency and a determination that It doesn't matter what this pitcher throws me. It doesn't matter what's coming. This pitcher knows that I've already beaten him, and I'm gonna crush that ball when it comes. And sure, there was times that he struck out. My goodness, he swung out of his shoes, but he struck out, right? But that didn't change the next time he went in the box. He didn't let his failures of what happened last time determine what it was that he was trying to do today. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And we're going to see <laughs> we're going to see where the Lord takes it cuz I've got a couple pages of notes that I scratched down. I have some stories that I want to share of things that the Lord has been doing. <laughs> and for those of you that know me and my family, um we got some tough news this past week. Um For those of you that might even have known my brother, um, we got some news on Thursday morning that he had passed away. 32 years old, brand new baby, and his life was cut short. And grief hits you in a lot of different ways, right? But what I want to talk about this morning is is the resiliency that it's going to take for us, for all of us, not just me, but for all of us to not let our previous failures dictate our future. The things that you walked through, every single day you have a decision to make, whether you're going to be defined by what the Lord has said about you or what your previous failures have. Want to say about you? So I want to turn here to uh, Judges six. For those of you that have your Bible, we're gonna uh, we're gonna start in Judges six and verse twelve. Just to give a little backstory, while uh, you guys are turning there, or scrolling there, or however it is that you read your Bible. Um I'll actually just to say here in the beginning of of chapter 6 this is kind of what kind of paints the picture for this upcoming story of Gideon it says the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for 7 years and that kind of paints the picture of what happened right the Lord's chosen people the Israelites weren't doing what they were supposed to do so God handed them over to the Midianites And uh, they were greatly outnumbered, greatly, extremely outnumbered, um, to the point where um, Israel went into hiding. They went into hiding in caves. They went into hiding anywhere where they could find a place to hide. And that brings us up into the story of Gideon. And Gideon is in a wine press. And for those of you that don't know the way that wine used to be made, sorry, not wine. Yes, he was in a wine press. So the way that they had it was there, there was a hole in the ground. Oh, sorry, Liam. Liam said to me, please stay at the pulpit. I don't want to have to follow you around the camera. So I'm going to do my best to stay right here. <laughs> so Gideon found himself in a wine press, which is basically a well in the ground, right, where they would dump the grapes down in there. You'd, you'd stomp on them, and there was a lower... Um, a lower area where the crushed grape juice would then flow into, right? And that would ferment and turn into wine. Um, And for those of you, we're going to get a history lesson today on farming grapes and wheat, for those of you that don't know the way that that worked back in the day. So feel free to go to sleep, and I will wake you up. (laughs) So he finds himself in this well press, right? And he's not stomping grapes as one would do in a wine press. He has wheat in that wine press. And the way that they used to separate wheat and chaff, chaff is the rest of the stalk. That's not the fruit. The fruit is the wheat on a on a piece of uh, whatever that's called. I don't know what the whole thing is called, but stalk. Okay. Oh, Jesus, thank you. So it would get broken up, and they would throw it in the air, and because the chaff, the rest of the grain stalk is... Um, lighter than the fruit, it would blow away, right? And just what would fall back to the ground is the wheat. And that's how they used to separate it. So those of you that don't know, a hole in the ground, there's not a whole lot of wind coming through there. So I can only imagine this guy down there with his wheat, throwing it up in the air and watching it fall back down. Like this guy is so defeated and hiding that he's trying to perform something that's basically like a magic trick, right? In all essence, if they're relying on the wind to blow away the chaff, what is this guy doing, right? But he doesn't want to give away his position to the Midianites. So he's doing the best he can to put together some food so that he can eat. It doesn't really the story doesn't really go into why he was doing it like that, but I just I picture this guy being so defeated that he's hiding away, just trying to scrape together a little bit of food, right? And he doesn't want to even <laughs> I don't know why my mind goes here, but I can imagine him throwing it up higher and higher, trying to get it to blow away a little bit. And if you were a Midianite and you're walking down the street and all of a sudden you see like this hole in the ground and a little bit of stuff going, I would walk over there and be like, what on earth is going on here? But who knows? That's just the way my mind works. Anyway, so he's down there super defeated. He has no idea what tomorrow holds and an angel shows up to him. And verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened? And where are all his miracles, which our father was told about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said Go in the might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. I always love how when you're reading a story, it's almost like God didn't even listen to your complaining. He just went right over it and just kept talking. Isn't that great? Like you can cut out everything that Gideon said back to the angel and you can go, "The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Go in in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites." He just totally eliminated everything that you just said. He's like, yeah, I know, keep complaining. (laughs) I always love seeing the Lord do that. So then, of course, after the Lord says to him, have I not sent you, Gideon goes back to complaining, and he says, so, he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then he said to him, if I now have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who is talking to me. So he asked for a sign, and those of you that know the Bible well, I'm sure you remembered this scripture that says a wicked and perverse generation asked for a sign, right? That's what Jesus said. But in verse 36, he's asking, this is the sign. He's like, all right, I got this all conjured up in my mind. This is what I want you to show me so that I know it's you, Lord. And he says, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have said, and in my Bible, there's a pause there before it goes to verse 37. And to me, that sounds an awful lot like the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 3 when the devil said, did God really say? And how are, when God gives us a promise, a lot of times the devil wants to come and steal that immediately, right? It's the same twisted dis, dis, um, disbelief that the devil had in the very beginning. He tries to sow that little bit of doubt. Why does Gideon, there's an angel standing in front of him telling him he's going to do these great things, and the first thing he has to say is, if, if you're going to do that, then, and I feel like that's immediately our response a lot of times, right? Maybe I'm the only one. But a lot of times our response is if, or maybe, but the Lord's telling him here this is, this is what you're going to do. And he goes on and says, look, I'll put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece only and it's dry on the ground, then I shall know that you shall save Israel by my hand as you have said. And lo and behold, he goes out the next morning. Guess what? There's exactly what he asked for. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung it, wrung out the dew that was only on the, the fleece and filled a bowl of water. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me, but I'm an unbelief. Let me speak just one more time. Let me test this, I pray. Just one more with the fleece. Let it now be dry on the ground and every, where is it? Uh, Let it now be dry, dry only on the fleece, but the ground all around it be wet. So he got exactly what he asked for, exactly, and still didn't think it was God. So he said, all right, okay, let's try this again. That was a coincidence. That was a coincidence. Let's give this another shot, shall we? This is what I really meant by that. And sure enough, the next day, guess what happens? Exactly what he asked for. So now now Gideon is in a place where he's kind of stuck, right? He's like, oh, well, he did exactly what I asked for, and he did say that I'm gonna do all these things. So where do I go from here? I want to just share a story before I move on from here. We're going to go through the rest of the story of Gideon and what and what all happens. But there's a, there's a story that I want to tell of basically just God showing off and seeing. It's, it's one thing to hear stories or read stories or have it happen to somebody else. But when things happen to you, it really puts it in a perspective for you that nobody else can ever take that away because you were there when it happened, right? So I'm going to put a disclaimer on this story before I start. Um, For those of you that might think a certain way about certain things that I'm about to say, I'm going to be talking about tattoos. So if that's a problem, I'm sorry. But it's part of the story, (laughs) okay? Are you asking a question or are you giving me a holy... what's that no so th- in my story we're talking about tattoo. we're talking about, we're talking about tattoos like this okay that's what we're talking about <laughs> so for those of you that don't know I travel for work and I was I've been stay I was staying in Connecticut most of the summer and I had um, two guys that are working with me Um And for those of you that don't know, I I do construction work. So when it rains outside, it's really hard for us to do what we're supposed to be doing. So I'm away from home, and it's raining. So we go into work, and they say, yeah, we can't do anything today. So we go back to our hotel, and it's really not convenient for me when I'm already three hours away from my family to then sit in a hotel for the rest of the day and watch the rainfall. It's not the best for those of you that... Would probably just sleep all day. That's what I did. <laughs> but also, um, I texted the guys that were that were with me. Hey, do you want to go get something to eat? Do you want to do something? Like, let's figure out something to do so that we're not just wasting our whole day. And so we went to. Th- these are all little nuggets that you're going to have to remember for the story as we come in back into the story of Gideon. But we went to Panera Bread. Me and me and the guys that were working with me went to Panera Bread, and. For whatever reason, they have these little kiosks there. They don't actually take your order. Um, They don't have somebody working there taking your order. They just have these kiosks that you key in everything you want, pay for it right there, go sit at the table, and they bring it to you. That's how they do it over there. Um, So the one guy, we all sit down and get our food, and this one guy, Lou, that works with me, he got soup and this little baguette, and um, he's like, man, I really want another baguette to go with the soup. I don't feel like it's enough. So he goes back up and he orders Wow, that was a lot of sweat. Um, he goes back up and he orders on the kiosk, I want another one of these baguettes. So he's sitting there waiting, and, and the the person comes over with a loaf of bread and sets it down. I'm talking like a loaf of bread that's like the size, that would feed like 16 people. Like comes over with this giant loaf of bread. And he's like, no, I, I didn't order this. All I wanted was a little baguette. And the guy's like, no, no, you did. Um, you already paid for it, so he 's looking at his receipt, and it was only like three dollars and he 's like no there 's definitely a mistake here he 's like, "Nope, just keep the bread so we 're all laughing about this we 're laughing about this giant loaf of bread that he had, and now he can feed a small tribe right so let 's just put that in your pocket for for now, okay, and we 're going to come back to that later So Lou got his loaf of bread right, and in the story of Gideon. He's all, in the beginning, he's talking for signs, right? So just keep that sign of that loaf of bread in your pocket for now, and we're going to move on to the next part of the story. So I don't know why, but a lot of times when you have three guys that aren't able to work that have been rained out all day and can either sit in the hotel and play video games or we can plan our next meal, and that's what we did, right? So we went right from eating lunch to thinking about dinner. That's kind of how that happens. (laughs) So... I call I call them up, you can kind of skip everything else that happened in the day, I call up this kid Aiden that works with me and I said, hey, do you want to go get dinner? He's like, sure, what are you thinking? I was like, I don't know, let's get pizza. He's like, all right, cool. We try to call on Lou, Lou's sleeping, right? So whatever, me and Aiden decide to go get pizza together. So we go to Domino's, which is the best pizza place that they have around there, sorry, but that's about all you get out in Connecticut. And I know my boss isn't watching. He would love to argue that the best pizza in the world comes from Connecticut. We all know he's wrong. So, sorry. Like I said, wrong. Okay, so. Can can someone please remove this lady? Thank you. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyway. Where was I before I was so rudely interrupted? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, Susie. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to come to the part of the story that might offend some people. I was looking at getting a tattoo, and everybody in here goes, oh, boy. All the younger people are like, yeah, the guy on the stage, he's preaching about getting tattoos, and I now my mom's going to let me get one. Listen, I'm not giving anyone a license to get a tattoo. Listen to your mom, all right? I wish, it's a weird thing to say for somebody that's covered in tattoos that I wish I hadn't gotten any, but here we are. So I'm thinking about getting this new tattoo um, that I wanted of this. I don't know if you guys can see it, but there's this heart locket. And it's for me, it's from Matthew six where it says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And I visualize the heart, the locket that's on a treasure chest. And right next to that, I have Jesus and big bold letters on my arm and the rest of my family on my arm above that so where my treasure is is where jesus and my family are that's my treasure okay so i'm thinking about getting this tattoo and i called around to all these places and everybody that's any good for anyone that has tattoos knows that if you find an artist that doesn't have a booking do not go to them okay because there's a reason why you can get in today (laughs) so i called around everybody no 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 and i'm like okay Whatever. guess it's not supposed to happen. I guess that's my sign. It's not supposed to happen, right? So we're at the pizza place, and my phone starts ringing. It's a Connecticut number. So I pick it up, and it's this one tattoo place that I called. And they said, hey, we just had a cancellation um, with one of our tattoo artists. His name's Johnny. If you'd like to come in right now, he can get you in to do what you want to do. And I was like, immediately, was like, "Uh, do I really want this tattoo? Do I really want to do this? So I look at Aiden and I'm like, "Well, Aiden's my perfect excuse because I'm here with him, and I would have to drive him all the way back to the hotel, and then by the time I get to the hotel, I'm going to be in my pizza coma, and I'm really not going to want to drive to go get this tattoo, right So I look at Aiden and I say, "Do you want to go with me?" And he's like, "Yeah." and I was like, <laughs> All right, I guess we're doing this." So me and Aiden get in the car and we drive to this um, we drive to this tattoo place and um we walk in, really really nice place. Looks more like an art studio than it does a tattoo parlor, which is really really cool. And we meet our honest our uh, our honest artist Johnny, and we walk in, and uh, met him. I told him what we want, and I, I'm sitting down. He's getting everything drawn up, and I look over, and he has a chosen hoodie hanging up on his door. And I was like, "Huh." Now Aiden and the guys I work with are not believers, so. I thought this was a cool opportunity, and I said, oh, you're a believer, and he goes, yeah, I am, he's like, that's my chosen hoodie, and I was like, awesome, I'm a believer too, and he's like, really, what church do you go to, so we start small talking, right, and the Lord has made this connection between the two of us, based off a tattoo that I went to get, that I may or may not have wanted to get, but now see this chosen hoodie, and we start talking, and he, he says, yeah, I go to this church, Um, me and my wife are the youth pastors there, we used to be missionaries, and I say, huh, how about that? Me and my wife are the youth pastors and used to be missionaries. And he goes, oh, really? What missions organization did you work with? And I said, um, well, I was in Africa. I was working with Overland Missions. And he goes, no, you weren't. And I was like, yeah, I was. I was on the Zambezi Gorge, blah, blah, blah. He goes, the guy that owns this shop just got back from Africa with Overland Missions. He was just on a trip. So he starts freaking out, and they start texting each other. And now Aiden is sitting there who doesn't know anything about how the Lord works in mysterious ways, right? How the Lord gives signs, how he works all things together for good for those that love him and are called by his purpose, right? He's sitting there looking at the two of us like, what is happening right now, (laughs) right? So John uses this as an opportunity to get Aiden, right? He just starts laying into him. He starts laying into him, you know you're called, you know that the Lord has a plan for your life, all this stuff. And then he he goes, "You know what? The Lord's telling me right now that your grandmother passed away. And you were really close with your grandmother, and she was like a mother to you, and it's really been hard for you, and Aiden is floored by this." And that opened the door for him to um for us to continue to talk to him about the Lord. So Gets better, gets better, okay? Please hold all your applause to the end of the program. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man. So we're getting ready to leave. Aiden's still blown away by all this stuff. And Johnny goes, uh, Aiden's a bigger guy, right? And Johnny goes, hey, what size shirt do you wear? And Aiden goes, "Um, I'm a blah, blah, blah XL. I'm not gonna tell you what it was. Okay, Aiden, in case you're watching. So Johnny goes, I know you're not going to believe this, and Aiden's pretty much like, no, I'm pretty sure at this point I'm going to believe whatever you say. He goes, when I went to buy that chosen hoodie, I went to put in my size, and I felt like the Lord told me not to buy that size, to buy this size that just so happened to be Aiden's size, right? He said, that sweatshirt has been sitting there for six months, and you you guys are the first person that have noticed that and it just so happens to be your size. So you're taking it with you because I want you to remember tonight and I want you to remember how the Lord's trying to get your attention. So Aiden takes the sweatshirt. We drive back to the hotel and I was like, that's pretty crazy, right? And he's just like. I'm like, Aiden, are you okay? And he's like. So we get back to the hotel, he goes to bed, I go to bed. And I was telling Esther, oh, this is so crazy what happened. We wake up the next morning, and guess what? It's raining again. So um, the, other, the other guy that wasn't able to come with us, Aiden's been telling him about all this crazy stuff that happened. You, this guy knew this about that, and he knew this. And, and there was a sweatshirt and the, the fish, and then there was this other stuff. And Lou's like, okay. He's like, do you want to go to the mall now that it's raining? And so we all go to the mall, and they had to get some stuff from Verizon, whatever. And um, Lou's like, hey, can you call that guy and see if he has any other openings? Like, I have some work I want to get done, too. So I'm like, sure. So I call him up, and Johnny's like, yeah, of course I do. I never do, but of course I do. So we go in there, and now (laughs) there's fresh meat for John and me, right? We walk in. And now Aiden's just sitting there again like, <laughs> and Lou's like, yeah, I don't know what's going on around here, but all I know is I'm getting a tattoo out of this and it's going to be awesome, right? So Aiden's been talking to him, you know, in between the, he's been talking to him about what happened the night before. And... Um We get he gets the work done that we're wanting to get done and we're hanging out and the receptionist comes in and she goes, hey, John, just to let you know, your client that was next also backed out so you can spend the rest of the evening with these guys if you want to. And John tells us after the fact, he says, you know, I've been booked solid for three years and the two people that have dropped out come every week. Religiously, for this back piece, these back pieces that I've been working on, but it just so happens that you guys come into town and they drop out. They've never dropped out, and they do two days in a row so that I can be here with you guys. So, (coughs) now this is another beautiful part of the story. Um, When we, we finish up with what we're doing, John goes, Hey, I'm hungry. Let's go get Chick fil A. And for those of you that have never experienced, the glory that is Chick-fil-A. I'm sorry. And I think we need to start a meeting maybe Wednesday nights and pray a Chick-fil-A into the Hudson Valley. Because I feel like something's changing. <laughs> anyway, so we go to Chick-fil-A, right? And we um we're sitting there talking. Most of us are talking. Aiden's still. Right. The rest of us are eating Chick-fil-A. We're talking about stuff that we like to do. Um, Long story short, um, John goes, hey, I got to run. We have this big thing at my church tonight. It's our eighth anniversary in this building. So we're doing like a big bonfire and this big get together. Um, So I'm going to have to call it a night unless you guys want to come. And Lou and Aiden are like, sure, let's go. Like, I've never been to church in my life, but sure, let's go. Like and just to show you that these guys have never been to church in their lives, we we <laughs> I love to mess with people, right? So we're driving there in the truck and they're like, What what do we expect when we go to church? I was like, Well, there's gonna be a mother ship there. <laughs> and and Johnny just got you two guys, so you know, it's probably gonna be a big sacrifice. That's probably what I'm thinking. <laughs> So I'm messing with these dudes as we're on our way to our church, right? And we get out, we get out of the truck and we're walking to the front door, and the greeter opens the door for Lou to come in. And he goes, Oh shoot, I didn't bring my wallet. How much does it cost to get in? And I was like, Lou, come on. Just come in. Right? So this is these are people that have never been to church in their lives, experienced the presence of God that night. And we're sitting there during worship. And I'm looking over at these guys, and they're just completely blown away by the fact that there's a drum kit and a bass player and people singing, and they're just like, this is awesome, except Aiden. Aiden's still there like. (laughs) Right? So the pastor comes up. Oh, there was one other thing. When we were at Chick-fil-A, we were talking about um, how hard it is to get guns in Connecticut, so Johnny was talking about how he collects black powder pistols, which is like the old school um, cowboy guns, right? So that's just a little nugget for later. The pastor gets up, and before he gets up to preach, they have his sermon series. Is shown. They show a video, and the very first clip is the shootout of these two cowboys from the Old West. And Aiden looks at me, <laughs> and Lou looks at me. We are just talking about these guns. I'm like, just watch. Right? So the pastor comes up, and he decides that he's going to share out of Gideon. So let's go back here to Gideon now. Let's see, where can we pick up? All right, let's start in in chapter 7 and verse 5. And this is basically what happens... In the meantime, between the fleece and what we're about to read is God says, you have too many people to fight against the Midianites. I want to try to weed them down. You guys have way too many people. I want I want you to know for sure that it's me that's delivering you from them, and that has nothing to do with you, right? So we're here in verse 7. The Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who... La- um, I'll just give you another little bit. There was, he said, go take all the men down to the river. The people that drink with their hands, I think, are the ones that he, he keeps. Yes? He keeps the ones that, lap, that drink out of their hand. The ones that bend down and lap like a dog, he gets rid of them. I would, too. There's something going on there. So he keeps, he whittles the army down to about 300 men. And then the Lord said to get in. By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the knights into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So, he t- so the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hand, and he sent them away, uh, all away, the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in a valley, and it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise and go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, I feel like the Lord caught on to Gideon here, right? Like, this is what you should do. But if, if you're scared, this is what you should do instead. So he said, but if you're afraid, go down to the camp with your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterwards, your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. So God says, I know, I know, Gideon. I, I'm delivering them to you, but you want a sign right? So take your servant and go down and I'll give you a sign. Then you'll feel better. Then you can do what I told you to do, right? So he went down um, with his servant to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp. And this is exactly what the pastor is preaching on, right? And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. And he said, I have a dream. I have a dream. Does anybody know what that's from? Finn, that was just for you. Okay. Anyway, I have a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the camp of Midian, and Lou just about fell out of his chair. Lou is the guy who, the day before, randomly receives a giant loaf of barley bread from Panera Bread. Right? So now these signs are adding up that the Lord's just basically just putting them out there. And I just look at Lou, and he's looking at me, and Aiden's still there like... (laughs) And I'm like, man, guys, it's almost like somebody's trying really hard to get your attention. And the beauty of all of this to me is that I didn't say anything. I'm just there. I'm just the guy that works with them, that's going along for the ride, and the Lord is showing all of these different signs to just say, hey, guys... Hey, wake up, right? I had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down to the camp of Midian. It came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Johash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel, and he said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Then he delivered 300 men into their company, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to him, Look at me and do likewise. Watch, when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet... And all who are with me, then you also blow your trumpet. And on every side of the whole camp they say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hand. Then the three companies blew, and the trumpets, uh, they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hand, for blowing and they cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and every man stood in his place all around the camp and the whole army ran and cried out and fled so at the pastor had a cool visual of he had a flashlight that was inside a clay pot and when he got to that part of the sermon he broke it and the light shone and for all the different signs that were being shown to these two guys that I work with, I felt like that sign was for me. That for as long as I've been with these guys, they know that I come to church, they know that I work with youth, they know that I'm a decent guy, right? But I felt like that sign was for me, and I know it's for a lot of the rest of us in this room today, that it's not enough to just be with somebody, but it's time to break that pot and let your light shine, right? How the Lord basically orchestrated this whole thing and gave all these little tiny signs to the point where Aiden was still like, right? And he was ready for whatever it was that was going to be told to him because of how the Lord had already prepared his heart through all of these signs, right? And that's not, I love this story because it's not something that any one of us could conjure up. Like, how long would that have taken me to conjure all those things up? Like, let me find this guy, and I'm going to pay him to do this, and I'm going to pay him to say that, and I'm going to buy this hoodie, and I'm going to hang it here. Like, there's so much work that would have had to go in to trying to produce something. But the Lord had a plan, right? And then it was up to me to decide what I did with that fertile ground, Right? So after the service, we're all in the truck and we're on our way back to the hotel. And usually, when we're driving somewhere, they have the music banging and we're screaming out the windows and acting like idiots, right? But we're driving back to the hotel and it is stone silent in that truck. And I look over at Lou and he's just like, he's looking out the window thinking. And I look back at Aiden and he's like, What's Aiden doing? By now, you guys should all know what Aiden's doing, right? Aiden's in the back like. (laughs) And so I said, listen, guys, it's not really, I I just want to apologize to you guys. And they're like, for what? Today was awesome. Like, I I didn't know any of that stuff. Like, that's super cool. And I was like, no, I have to apologize to you because every single day that I come to work and I'm not sharing this stuff with you, this is my life. This is literally what I breathe for. And up until this point, you've only known that I go to church and you know that I work with youth and you know that I'm a decent person, but you didn't know that this is the very reason that I'm alive. You didn't know that this was the very reason that I am who I am today because of the things that we talked about today. And I apologized to them and I said, I'm sorry, I'm going to make a commitment to you guys that I'm not going to let another day go by where I'm with you, that I'm not reminding you of what you've seen and heard today. So that leads me to another story. Um, it was the day that my I found out about my brother, and I was on my way to work on the thruway. It was on uh, Thursday, and I don't know if anybody was driving on the thruway on Thursday, but there was the fog was so thick on the thruway that when a car would come up behind me and pass me, probably from here to the wall, I couldn't see its its taillights anymore. It was that thick. And, um, I get to work, and there's a couple guys there that are talking about the fog, and I was like, man, it's really crazy. And the one guy's like, yeah, it's like pea soup. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And he's like, well, you can't see through it, so it's like pea soup. And I was like, alright, you're ancient. But, um, so he he starts talking about this time that he was in the fog on his boat. And he was on the river. I think they were watching fireworks or something. And th- the fog rolled in. And the fog was so thick that he couldn't, he lost all bearing of where he was on the water. And he went to what he knew he needed to go to. He went to the map of the area that he was in. And he was looking at the map and said, if, if I can just find a buoy, that will point me in the right direction. right?" So he starts like very slowly trolling, trolling through the water trying to find a buoy. And he finds a buoy. And then he knows that he can go back to the map, and it will tell him where he is. And then he knows, OK, if I made it from this buoy, I have to make it to the next buoy. And if I head north, I'll hit the next buoy. And that was really speaking to me about what our response is when we're in a situation of life, when when it, it's foggy and we can't see, right? We all know that where we go is to the word, right? For the next step that I need to take, I need to go to the word. I need to go to the Lord. I need to know where my next step should be. But a lot of us, We'll stay in that place until we hear where we're supposed to go. But the part of the story that hit me was that even though it was so foggy that he couldn't see, he continued moving because he knew that he had to find that next buoy, right? And I think a lot of us are waiting for the Lord to tell us the next step of our life and are staying in one place. Pastor Vaughn used to say it's really hard to steer a parked car, Right? and that we need to continue moving forward, and we adjust our course based on what the Lord's showing us, right? If you're in a place where you're not doing anything, do something. Figure out some way to serve in the church while you're waiting for that next step, right? Because just like my brother, you don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't know what this afternoon brings, And when me and my wife were talking about, you know, when when you're going through grief, you have all different kinds of thoughts that come into your head. You know, everything from, y- uh, for those, of y- uh, let me back up here. For For those of you that don't know, I reconnected with my brother after 10 years. Um, he <laughs> just happened, I happened to be driving down the street to Tractor Supply, and last I knew he was living in Florida, and I see him walking on the side of the road. And in every situation that the Lord presents us, he gives us a choice whether to respond or whether to just keep going with what you've always been doing. So I had a choice to make whether I turned my truck around and went and met with him or if I just kept going about my life as usual. And so I decided to turn my truck around and I turned my truck around and I came up right next to him and I was like, oh Jose, what's going on? And he's like, oh my gosh, Bobby, I haven't seen you in forever. And we reconnected in that moment. I found out that that he was um, his girlfriend was expecting their first child and we reconnected um, last year and he actually ended up staying with us for most of the summer. And there was a lot of healing that happened in that time. There was a lot of conversations that we had. There was a lot of forgiveness that I needed to give that he needed to give there was a lot that happened in that time frame that wouldn't have happened if that if I had just ignored what the Lord put right in front of me and so he just had his his girlfriend just had their second child I think two months ago and when you're dealing with grief there's all kinds of thoughts that come into your head and and sometimes it's it's hard to know what's what's true and what isn't, and then sometimes the devil is just so stupid that he just makes it blatantly obvious that it's a lie. And one of the thoughts that came into my head while I was while I was crying about the loss of my brother was those boys are growing up without a father and it's your fault. There's something else you could have done and you didn't. And it just got it 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 broke my heart because I was thinking of all the things that we had done, all the conversations we had done, that we had had. And of course, you're, there's always going to be times when you're thinking, well, I could have done more. could ha- I could have done this, or I could have done that. And in the talking with my wife, uh, while I was having all these feelings, she said, I feel like what you can take away from this is that when you find yourself in that situation again, you're not going to bite your tongue. And while I was thinking about all these things, the Lord always strings everything together, right? And we always have to make that choice, whether we let, like I said in the beginning, if we let our past dictate our future, or if we let the things that happen change who we are for the Lord's glory in the future. And this picture was painted in my mind because I was thinking about the fog, and I was thinking about the boat, and I was thinking about all these things. And I heard, I don't know if I heard the Lord say, but I felt in my spirit that that lighthouse doesn't stop shining just because a ship hit a rock and sunk. But it keeps shining so that it can warn the other sailors around of the dangers that are ahead. And I feel like that's what the Lord wants to tell us today that just like Gideon just like how the light was the light the light was there right the torch was inside of that clay pot but it wasn't shining bright it was there and it was warm and it was convenient for those that were around it but it wasn't shining right and i feel like a lot of times we find ourselves in that situation where we come into a meeting and we feel great and we have our little circle of friends and everything's great but there's there's the world around us going to hell in a handbasket And we make that choice to keep it in that pot. And I think it's time for us to break out of that pot, for you to say something to somebody that you wouldn't, that that might be uncomfortable. Because you don't know, just like that lighthouse doesn't know what every boat needs, it knows that there's rocks there and it needs to let a warning out. It's not worried about the feelings of the sailor that's piloting that boat. It's not worried about the feelings of, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't warn them about the rocks that are there because they've, they've been doing this a long time. They can steer a boat. I don't have to let them know about that. And then you get a phone call the next day that that ship sunk because you kept your mouth shut because you didn't let your light shine as brightly as you knew you should have. one of the other things I was thinking about about the fog is the amount of time it took from when I saw the car next to me to when I couldn't see it anymore and how quick that happened and the Bible says that our life is like a vapor that we're here today and we're gone tomorrow and I just want to encourage everyone in this room to make the most of every single opportunity that we're presented with. To make the most of every opportunity because you don't know when that's the last time they're gonna be in that fog and you're never gonna see them again. And you have a very short window to shine your light very short window to shine your light and maybe help them steer away from the rocks that they could hit I just want to close with this this verse in Isaiah if I can find Isaiah I'm going to cheat. I know I have it on my phone already. It's Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2. And it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. If we could all just stand to our feet right now, I want to pray for us. If our if our prayer team could come up front, if if there's anybody in this room that's struggling with something, please please come up and pray with one of these guys. It doesn't matter how big or how small. And I don't want it to sound like the typical, you know, church revival meeting where you don't know what's going to happen when you walk out that door. But the reality of the situation is you have no idea what could happen when you walk out of this door. I never thought that I would get the phone call that I got. My brother was 32 years old. He had the rest of his life ahead of him. He was invincible, right? I know for us young guys, we think we are invincible, that nothing's ever going to happen to us, that we can walk out of here, do whatever we want, and there's not going to be any consequence. But that's not the reality. So if you're struggling with anything at all, please, please talk to someone. Because you never know when your last breath is going to be. It's not going to be something you're going to get to someday. Because today might be that day. You don't know. If you're harboring resentment against somebody, forgive that person, whether they apologize or not. If you're dealing with an addiction, please find help. Talk to somebody. Because you don't know when today, when tomorrow, today, yesterday is going to be your last day, and your family around you is going to be left picking up the pieces. So, with every eye closed, Jesus, we thank you so much for being the light. We thank you so much for being faithful. We thank you so much for sending your son to die on a cross, to take our place, to give us a hope, to give us a future. We thank you so much that you've called and anointed each and every person in this room to live a life that matters, to be a light that can shine in the short amount of time that we have on this earth. You said it was, our life was just a vapor. We were here today and gone tomorrow. Lord, please give us a desire. Give us the tenacity to attack every day for your kingdom. To set our face like a flint. To know that we are not going to bite our tongues when it comes to life and death. That you would give us the words to say, just like In my story, Lord, you gave, (laughs) you prepared the way and there was the reality of me being faithful to what it was that you had laid out, Lord. Give us the opportunities. Give us the plan. Give us a desire to read the map so that we know when everything seems dark, when everything seems foggy, when we can't even see the hand in front of our face, that we know where the map is and we know that if we trust in you and we follow what it is that you've told us to do, that we're going to make it to that next place. We thank you, Jesus, for the freedom that you're going to to bring today to people's minds, to people's hearts. We thank you for the freedom that you've given each and every single one of us. In the sound of my voice, I declare freedom from addiction. I declare freedom from broken hearts. I say, devil, you will remove your claws from every mind in this room that is battling with addiction, that is battling with thoughts that I'm not enough, be gone in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, have your way in the rest of this meeting. Lord, have your way in the hearts of your children. If you have something that you'd like prayer for specifically, please come to the front and pray with one of our team members here. I just want to leave you with this one verse, and uh, some of you will find it funny. But I'm just going to leave you with this one last story. Make the most of every opportunity. If you don't take away anything else that I said today, take away that. But I'm going to turn right here to Judges 3 and verse 31. This guy gets one small paragraph in the Bible, and this is what it says. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goat, and he also delivered Israel. He gets one verse in the entire Bible. He killed 600 men and delivered Israel, gets one verse. Your life is just as important as he is, even if you don't get a verse in the Bible. That's all he got, but he delivered Israel. God's calling each and every one of you to step out into what he's calling you to do, to shine that light in that 30-second window that you might have with somebody, to be the voice of life into their life. Thank you, Jesus.
1: I really don't want to do this, and I've been sitting back there all day praying that the Lord just released me from this burden, and then you just had to keep talking and talking, and I know that this was for me. And I'm so sorry for your loss. I've... Experienced a loss this week myself. Praise the Lord, my almost 97-year-old grandma went home to be with Jesus this week. And I know at 97, that's an okay time. And it is really hard for me to grieve her right now. Because I know that she's with Jesus, and I know she's been reunited with my grandfather. But I have to share what happened this week. And it's not a loaf of bread or anything like that. But for 11 days, I watched my grandmother, who two weeks ago was doing her own laundry and making her own breakfast and paying her own bills with her away to nothing in a hospital bed and I ran right down my cousin called me at 1105 and 1109 I was pulling out of my driveway to go to Maryland to make that five and a half hour trip and when I got to the hospital she was fine we were ready to break her out and within 24 hours my grandma wasn't there anymore she her mind had went on to Jesus and I kept telling her it was okay. We love her. We're going to be okay. Go see Pop. And I named all the people that she was going to be reunited with. And on Monday, my husband came down with his truck and trailer, and he put my truck on his trailer, and he drove me back. And I had peace in my heart that my grandma knew I was there, and she knew I loved her. But I have a family to take care of up here, and I had to get back. And I was here Tuesday, and I thought, oh, goodness, I can't believe I missed the one name that was most important. I didn't tell her to go see Jesus. And very early Wednesday morning, I called my cousin to see how she was doing, and my aunt had a medical emergency, and from upstate New York, I called 911 for my aunt in Pennsylvania. And I knew in my heart I had to go back down to be with my grandma. And I knew that on my deathbed I wasn't going to say, oh, Lord, I'm so glad I worked those three days. I'm going to say I'm so glad I was with my grandma when she died and went to heaven. Back down I went. And I got there on Wednesday afternoon, and she could open her eyes, but she wasn't in there. But praise the Lord, I told her what I wanted to tell her, and I said, my mom, Jesus, is calling your name. And all my life, I tell you, she looked above me and she had a tear roll down her face and another tear puddle where her eye, where her head had been tilted. And I said, I know that's all I need to know. Jesus is calling your name, mama. And she hung on for a couple more days. And my family and I, we were together Thursday night. And my family, they were really struggling on whether to stay or whether to leave. And I said, you go on. Me and my mom's going to be okay. And I pulled the recliner up next to her bed, and I watched her. And a little bit before 1 o'clock on Friday morning, the nurse came in, and she said she's done 16 breaths a minute. She's declining quickly. So I jumped up and ran to the bathroom real quick, came back, and I held her hand. And I prayed over her, and I whispered in her ear, I thanked her, And I thanked her and I thanked her and I thanked her. And I told her when the whole world was against me, she never was. And that it was okay going to Jesus. And I sat down and within a few short minutes, her breath was down to four beats a minute. And I called my cousin Carla. And I said, Carla, I think my mom's getting ready to pass. She's down to four breaths a minute, and I thought you might like to be on the phone, and I didn't as much get that out of my mouth, and my grandma took her last breath. And, you know, my family has felt so bad for me that I was there alone with her. But I tell you what, it is not an experience I would trade for anything in the world. Knowing that I was holding her hand when Jesus took the other one and led her into heaven. And i tell you what I told my kids. I said, anyone who believes that this is it, I can't accept that. I would not only bet my life on it, but I bet my eternal life on it. That if you know Jesus as your personal Savior, this this is nothing compared to what's on the other side. And I know there are people here today who don't believe in that. And I just pray that for whatever reason, I just couldn't sit back there anymore. And if anyone who knows me knows I hate this right now, I hate it. But I had to share the story of my grandma and how I know she's been reunited with my grandfather. And more importantly, she's running those streets of gold. And I'm going to see her again. And I hope every person here knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because if you don't, you're not going to go where my grandma's going where she is and I love y'all and I thank you for your prayers I know I had a lot of people praying for me this week it was the toughest 10 days of my life but she is she is at peace now and I pray that in your heart if you're not here that you find that peace thank you for convicting me Bob (laughs)
0: So, Sarah, if you could just close us out with a song again. I just want to reiterate what Casey just said and what I've said throughout the entire message. Make the most out of your opportunity. That if you are that person right now that doesn't know him and doesn't know the peace that we talk about and doesn't know who he is or where you're going to end up, please don't leave this building without knowing for sure. Grab somebody around you, come, come pray with one of these people up here, but please don't leave. Make the most out of the opportunity. Make the most out of the breath you have right now.